Hey guys, hope you're doing well. Very excited to be getting into this week's episode. We are halfway through the Major League Baseball season of 2017. Therefore, it is time to review some predictions at the beginning of the season, talk about expectations for what's going on for the rest of the season, all-star game snubs. We got a lot coming up. Can't wait to get into it. Drop the beat so we can get started. And welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Mind of Mike J podcast. Again, All-Star Game is coming up. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot has transpired over the last couple months with Major League Baseball. So I'm very excited to be getting back into it. And once again, for the second time, we're bringing back the commissioner, Mr. Jake Brewer, is in the house yet again. How are you, sir? Doing great, Mike. Good to be back. I see that uh, Buster Only or Tim Kirchin weren't available, so glad I got the next call. Yeah, they were on vacation, so I was <laughs> glad he could make it in on such short notice. Um, so just to go ahead and get right into it, the we got we, we made a lot of I thought we made a lot of good predictions uh, when we last time we spoke. Oh, I felt good when we started off, Mike. But uh, obviously, as we've went through the season here, it looks like we've nailed some things and uh, missed. Pretty badly on some others. Very much so. Very much so. And and, and that's just what makes sports exciting. Um, so as far as this recap here, uh, what's gone right so far? Well, one thing that I got to jump out and point out right off the bat, throw Mike under the bus here. If you guys remember in the first podcast, I was, I was killing Mike for his pick of Byron Buxton. And he has continued to struggle. Just his line real quick, Mike, uh, you know, make you feel good here at the beginning. He's been 204, and his combined runs, home runs, RBI, and stolen base added together, he doesn't have more than he does case. Mm. But I will say this, he is number one in, de- he is number one in the major leagues in defensive wins above replacement. <laughs> oh, man, if Spee's listening out there, we can have a whole other conversation about NCRTA, Buxton, war, all that, but we won't jump into that. We'll uh, try and review some of these other predictions we had. Very fair, very fair enough. Um, now, the individually, we had, I personally had Chris Bryant as my favorite for uh, MVP so far. And or excuse me, going into the season, and although he's still doing very well, I don't think that has worked out too too. I don't think that's worked out very well so far. Well, for a first half for for Bryant by his standards, I mean it's been kind of a subpar first half. He's batting two sixty two, fifty one runs, thirty three ribbies, sixteen homers. I mean respectable numbers, but as far as MVP right now in that conversation. Uh, I, I can't say that he's he's in that conversation right now. Um, no, uh, no, unfortunately not. And I mean, some he was so successful early on. Some level of regression, I guess, had to have been expected. Yeah, and I mean, people talk about the World Series hangover potential with most teams. I mean, no one was saying that with the Cubs, but they are now because they're struggling a little bit. They're not in the first in their division, and we'll get to the NL Central later. 
but as far as my pick for NL MVP, my front runner was Nolan Arenado. Now, he's probably not the prime candidate, but his stat line, I mean, he's right there to potentially win MVP. He's batting 301. He's got 101 hits, which is fourth in the NL. 52 runs, 15 homers, 63 RBIs, that's fourth in the NL. I mean, he's right there. A few top 10 statistics. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Arenado's a very solid player, no doubt about that. Uh, would, would he be the favorite for MVP? I think would be would be kind of a stretch. But he's definitely, like I said, he could be in the conversation. You can definitely make a case as you just did. Um, now, Bryce Harper was my dark horse, and that one seems a lot more likely in retrospect. Uh, I don't know the I don't know the numbers, but I know he's he's up there in home runs. He looks like he's gotten his power stroke back that he that we saw in 2015. The Nationals are leading their division, so if I had to go back and put him as my front runner, I definitely would. Yeah, I mean, very solid year from Trout so far. Or not Trout, excuse me, Harper. It's easy to get the two mixed up. 324 for Harper. 94 hits, 64 ribbies, 20 home runs. I mean, that's back to kind of what we expect from Bryce Harper in the first half. Now, the other guy that people are talking about this year that are a lot of people's first half MVP, if you will, is Paul Goldschmidt. Now... The Diamondbacks, you know, a lot of people liked as kind of a sleeper in the NL West, and this guy's leading the charge. I mean, he's batting 315, 94 hits, 66 RBIs, 19 homers, and 13 stolen bases for the first baseman. I mean, he's got an outside shot of being the first 30-30 guy since, I believe, Alfonso Soriano. He does. He's having an incredible year, and what's crazy is he's not even starting in the All-Star game. Oh, God. I, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh Ryan Zimmerman, a little bit of a uh, fan fan vote there. Fan Possibly. vote getting him in as a starter. Yeah, quite. I mean, your fans got to get out and vote. That's that's just that is what it is. All right, and that that could be a topic in itself about fan votes and you know what we think of those for the All Star Game. I mean, in my opinion, All Star Games don't mean anything anymore. I, for one, the fans stuff the ballot boxes. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case that the best players that are the most deserving that year are the starters or even make the team. And on top of that, in a Hall of Fame-type argument, if you want to use, oh, well, he made X amount of All-Star games, that used to mean something. Whereas now you have guys like the Royals a couple couple years ago when half the starting lineup was projected to be Royals and people like Omar Infante are getting in when he's batting two forty. All-star appearances don't mean as much. No, they they don't. They There is something to be said for making an all-star game. I think what it is is they're kind of like sprinkles on a Sunday. They they do make the overall they do make the overall presentation look better, but at the end of the day, you can you can go without the sprinkles and still have a very good. You can still have a very good dessert. It's that might not have been the best analogy, but the um, but yeah, all, all star games are just kind of something you throw in there after we've established the real important stuff. When you're talking about a guy's Hall of Fame career, we're looking at we're looking at batting average, we're looking at runs, we're looking at homers. All star games appearances should be near the bottom, but unfortunately, when we're talking about Hall of Fame careers, all star appearances 
do seem to matter. If you look at anyone else that does rankings on this type of stuff, ESPN, when they were doing their MLB rank, All-Star Game Appearances was one of the first categories that they mentioned. So it does have some weight. But like you said, when a guy's getting voted in when he shouldn't, nobody really takes that into consideration. Right, and it, it is an accolade. It goes on the guy's resume for his career. I mean, you're going to hit someone with a few key stats, you know, if you know them. But then you can also be like, he won MVP, multi-all-star, Cy Young, whatever. The awards weigh into that that's kind of more vague, I guess, that the general fan would know. Mm-hmm. Instead of someone being like, Pete Rose had 4,256 hits. Whereas the casual fan will be like, oh, he was a annual all-star, perennial all-star, MVP candidate. So that's kind of what I'm getting at, but uh, I know we got a little off track. Uh, oh, no, you're fine. Um, I was, we're basically the going order here. Picks for division winners. I've been pretty accurate so far. I've, Three for three in the AL. I had Boston, Cleveland, and Houston winning division, and that has proven good so far. Boston, now, Boston just got that lead back. If we were having this conversation a month ago, it, it wouldn't have been accurate. But Boston is currently on a little bit of a winning streak. I believe they've won six games in a row, eight of their last ten. They look ready to really separate themselves from the rest of the pack going forward. Cleveland... Very good team. Not much else to be said. They're cranking out, having no problems cranking out runs, as I, as we had all predicted. They should be able to hold serve, and the Astros have been lights out. They're generating a ridiculous amount of runs. They've got all of their young guys seem to be breaking out at the same time. They've got the best record in the entire majors, so that was a home run pick there. Now, my wild cards were a little bit of a struggle. I had the Blue Jays and the Tigers, both of which would not even, if the season ended today, they would be nowhere close to even being wild cards. I think there's still five or six teams ahead of them both. So, missed the ball on there. But how are your AL picks looking? So, I also had, just in a different order, I had the Astros, Red Sox, and Indians. Uh, for the division winners, which, like you said, they are all currently in their own division lead. And then I had the Mariners and the Blue Jays as my wild card, so we both missed on the Blue Jays currently. They're only four and a half games out. They're not dead. There's a lot of baseball left to be played, but, you know, currently not sitting in the wild card. The Mariners, my other team that I had predicted, they're three games back that are also not out of it. The two teams that are sitting in the wild card in the AL right now are the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Three teams from the AL East. Interesting, which is ironic because their counterpart in the NL, the NL East, is by far the most disappointing division, I'd say, in baseball. It's just not even competitive for the for the Nationals right now. And I'm, Now, while it's not surprising that they are leading the division, I think what's kind of been disappointing is the fact that nobody else is even cranking out a winning record. Right. I mean, somehow, some way, my Braves are currently second in the NL East, but they're nine games back of the Nationals. I mean, they're running away with the division, and they're not looking back. The Braves, I know we talked about it in the first podcast. You asked me, 
how I thought they would do. I thought they'd finish around 500. They're 40 and 42 right now. And you also asked if Bartolo Colon or R.A. Dickey's combined age would be greater than the Braves' number of wins. I did. Which I went under, I said 76 to 78 wins. They're on pace for about 80. So it's going to be pretty close to that. But continuing through the NL East, uh, you actually predicted the your Metropolitans to win the division, and we talked about how they needed to stay healthy, and they'd been prone to injuries. And, uh, well, I'll let you speak to that a little bit, Mike. Yeah, the Mets have, at the time I felt good about it, we had, we looked to have, Stephen Matz had been on the shelf for a long time. I figured he'd be ready to, he'd be ready to go to start the season. That took, his return took much longer than anticipated. And while he has played well, unfortunately, in the meantime, while we were waiting for him to come back, we just didn't have a whole lot of firepower at the starting pitcher position. We're relying on call-ups, guys like Seth Lugo and Robert Selman and all these guys that, you know, they're really just meant to be villains. And then Syndergaard went down. So that's another blow. Cespedes has struggled with his health. We've had just Familia with his suspension to start the year. There's just We just can't seem to put it all together. But... My my hope at this point is to at least try at least make an attempt to try to be a little bit more competitive to end the season. I mean, I think our only real shot is to try to somehow catch up to the Nats, even though, like you said, they're they're still nine games ahead of the Braves, and I think I believe eleven eleven and a half ahead of the Mets. Eleven and a half ahead of the Mets. So that's going to be tough. It, it might be time to fall back on those expectations. That, as a matter of fact, the only NL division winner that I predicted correctly, at least thus far, was has been the Dodgers. I had the now the Cubs are in second place. They were my pick in the central. But um the Brewers, I believe, are actually up mm-hmm. up in that division. So we'll see. I think I still think that's a very winnable situation for Chicago though. Uh, the Cubs are only three games back of the Brewers. There's no need to think that we're truly gonna miss on that one. Uh and you know to kind of go through our NL predictions, I had uh, I had the Giants winning the NL West, which I sorely missed. Uh, those guys, I mean, I think they finally hit that age wall. I mean, they've been a veteran team for years and just steady and solid and solid and solid. I think it was a combination of some of those guys, Hunter Pence and some of the other guys hit the wall. Matt Cain. And they lost Bumgarner to the freak dirt bike accident, which he's still not back. He's missed almost the entire season, and he's such a big component of their team. I mean, it's pretty much Buster Posey and nothing else in San Fran right now. Unfortunately. I mean, Cueto has regressed. Mark Melanson has been a bust signing. Absolutely. They're, and, and I had them as a wild card, so I didn't. I wasn't much better in that regard. And then the Nationals were my other wild card, which... I actually underestimated them very much, and the because um, they're run, they're going to more than likely run away with the NL East. Now to um, get to some just some other notes that I had on the season, just some surprises, just some random things that have come up. Michael Conforto, fourteen homers, two eighty five batting average. I remember, I do remember the last podcast 
I had talked about him being a, possibly as much as our second best offensive player. And that might, and I, and I do still think that holds true. Um, now, who would be the who, are, who would be our best offensive player? I think is up for grab. You could say Cespedes when healthy, Jay Bruce possibly. Bruce has had a good year. Jay Bruce has had a very good year, but you know Conforto's making his first All Star appearance. He's on the shelf right now, but while he's been playing, he's been an extremely valuable asset. Um, like I said, Astros having the getting off of the start that they had has been insane. Then. The other thing, uh, the only other thing I also kind of, that really kind of threw me off, where did Jason Vargas come from? Where has <laughs> this guy been? He's got 12 wins, which is number one in the majors, and he's making his first all-star appearance at, what, 34? Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those years, man. Everything just happened to fall in place. He's pitching well. I mean, I don't want to say that he's gotten lucky, but it's definitely an outlier. Like, Vargas has been, you know, decent, kind of reliable, especially in fantasy, you know, one of those last guys you keep on your team. But in the first half of this year, he's pitched like a frontline ace. I mean, you can't argue what he's actually done in the first half. Now, will it continue in the second half, Mike? Uh, that's tough. That's tough to say. I, I think some kind of regression is to be expected. How much is where... It's how much is where we might run into a problem. I mean, guys out of nowhere can guys out of nowhere can be pulled, start playing. Especially with pitchers, it's so easy to it's so easy to to really fall back and end up. You know, it's a long season. You need rest. You need guys. Perfect example: Antonio Senzatella with uh, the Colorado Rockies. Nine wins has been playing. Fairly decent, fairly well. He's been sent to the bullpen just for rest, for literally, for, not based on his performance. So, will that happen to Vargas? I'm not sure. Less likely with him being a veteran, since it's all being a young pitcher, you know, they're trying to protect him, especially in, in Colorado. I mean, anything they can get pitching, they've got to be careful. Uh, but speaking of guys that regressed, I also, even though with my love for Rick Porcello, in the last podcast, I predicted major regression for him. Well, gotta say I got that one right. He's four and ten so far this year with a five point oh one ERA after coming off that Cy Young season. So he's definitely headed in the wrong direction. Do I think he's actually that bad of a pitcher? No, he's probably due for some positive change in the second half, but he'll probably balance out more around an average pitcher, maybe slightly above. For Porcello, not that Cy Young stud guy we saw in 2016, uh, and that's and that's to be expected. I mean, Porcello did kind of have a breakout year, and his I do think he's a better pitcher than his record indicates. That doesn't I've noticed a lot of games the the Sox he hasn't gotten the run support in a lot of his losses that some of the other guys on the team get, but he's definitely not pitching at the same level he was last year. But speaking of Cy Young. I think I think Chris Sale has been right on right right on point, which I believe we both had him as the favorite. We both had Chris Sale as AL Cy Young. He's eleven and three, two sixty one ERA, and leads the majors with one hundred and sixty six Ks. I don't think there's anyone that's a serious threat to him right now. It's his to lose. Very much so, and in the NL and in the NL, 
we had uh, I had Clayton Kershaw. Same. Which is which was I, I would not say was a bad pick, but Max Scherzer has to be the favorite right now. I think Scherzer's got to be the favorite right now. He's pitching great for the Nationals. However, it's definitely a tighter race in the NL because I mean Kershaw's not having a bad year. He's also thirteen and two, two nineteen ERA, one hundred forty six Ks. I mean Scherzer's outpacing him in Ks, and they're right there in wins in ERA. I mean, it really could come down to the wire for NL Cy Young. I, it, that'll be a much tighter race in the AL Cy Young. Now, what's going to be interesting is one one last individual pick that we haven't covered, AL MVP. Both of us had Mike Trout, and it was probably the easiest pick that we had made up until he got injured. Now that he's injured, it's a wide, I believe the race is wide open. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Preseason when we're talking about Trout, we're like it's his to lose. Next, next prediction, you know, it's it's Trout's until he proves otherwise. Well, he got hurt. Guys, you know, just not gonna simply play enough in order to be really be in the race. So now's the time, I guess, to bring up uh, kind of who we think the front runners are for AL MVP. And if anybody, you know, follows baseball and has been living under a rock, you're probably gonna say Aaron Judge. Uh, this guy has came out of nowhere, even though, mind you, I said that he was a monster in the first podcast. Don't believe me. Go look it up. I said it before anyone knew who Aaron Judge was. But he's killing it. 329 average, which is second in the majors. Only one hundredth of a point behind Jose Altuve. 94 hits. Ninth. 73 runs, which is first in the AL. 28 home runs. And then he hit another one today, 29, first in Major League Baseball, and 63 RBIs, first in the AL. He's he's a serious candidate for the Triple Crown, although I think the second half of the season you'll see him slow down a little bit. But home runs, he's just so far ahead of everybody else. The RBIs more than likely are going to keep coming. The um, batting average is the one that I'm – that I think is where, if we're talking about a triple crown, it's where he might fall short. Because for as many homers and everything else that he has, his strikeout rate is still fairly high. Absolutely. The power's legit. No one's arguing the power. The guy's had the four highest exit velocities recorded in Major League history. He's damaging Yankee Stadium with some of these home runs. I mean, the power's real. Can't wait for the home run derby with Judge in it versus Stanton. I mean, that's going to be great. But I think you're right. The average, 329, that's the elite of the elite. Now, while Judge has been a good batter, he showed better discipline this year, more walks, you know, getting some hits that aren't necessarily home runs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a, you know, batting title type hitter. I just, I'm going to have to see it be duplicated in the second half to believe that. I, I think he can do it. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he can't, but... I just think if there's one category that we're going to see some regression in, that'll be the one. But even with that being said, he doesn't need a triple crown to be the AL MVP. No, I would have no problems. I would have no problems with Aaron Judge being the AL MVP right now. If we were voting, if we had to vote right now, I would have no problem with Aaron Judge. If there was a first half MVP, it's Aaron Judge. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what's crazy is he's a rookie. I mean. There has never been a rookie post a triple crown. That would be 
historic. And then, obviously, he would be a shoe-in from for AL Rookie of the Year, which, you know, we can talk about who we had predicted for that. Yeah, which, uh, which was Andrew Benintendi, which actually, on paper, was not a bad pick. It just so happens that Benintendi has to be making his rookie campaign alongside a guy that's having an all-timer in Aaron Judge. Judge is having a historic season so far for any player, so Benintendi wasn't a bad choice, and we didn't truly miss on it. I mean, he's batting two eighty eight, eighty three hits, 12 homers, 43 runs, 50 ribbies, along with nine stolen bases. In a typical year, that is very likely a Rookie of the Year candidate. Very much so. Very much so. Now, did we did we talk about the NL Rookie of the Year candidates? We did. We kind of agreed on Dansby Swanson, you know, when we were predicting them and everything. And, and his glove has been good, but the bat's not been there. He's only batting two twenty six, six homers, you know, in the 30s and runs and RBIs. So he's clearly out. But another guy that has came out of nowhere, similar to Aaron Judge and came on later than Judge, Cody Bellinger. I mean, he's got to be the favorite right now for the NL Rookie of the Year. Just a little comparison to Dansby, okay, who is, uh, you know, most everybody's preseason pick in the NL. In 287 at-bats, Dansby is batting, like I said, 226, 65 hits, 6 homers in the 30s and runs and RBIs. In 42 less at-bats, Bellinger is batting 261, has 64 hits, which is one less than Dansby Swanson, 24 home runs, 47 runs, 56 ribbies, and five stolen bases thrown in there. That's tied for first in the NL in home runs, and he's already in the top 25 in runs and top 15 in RBIs. And he had to have gotten, and it feels like he got all of those in the last few weeks. I mean, he just went on an absolute tear to through the month of June. And I like Bellinger for Rookie of the Year, or Bellinger. I like him for Rookie of the Year right now. I really don't think there's anyone else even close. I think he'd have to, he would have to be the front runner. Another guy that everyone will be talking about were it not for Aaron Judge, as far as, as far as just blasting homers. I mean, he's on pace for over 40. Yes, he is. And what's crazy is, obviously, it was an insane pace. It's a short and small sample size. But if that would have been extrapolated over a full season had he not been called up later if he would have broke camp opening day and assuming he had this kind of pace. I mean, he'd be beating Judge. Which is insane to even think about. So, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. He's like, the Dodgers are playing great right now. That's another thing he's got going for him. Like I said, it's his to lose. Between him, Kershaw, and Turner, who will be the average leader once he qualifies with at bats, between those three guys, I mean, they've been a big reason why the Dodgers are leading that division. Very much so, and that'll be something to look forward to. Now, moving on to the All-Star game. Rosters just came out. In your opinion, did they get it right? I think that too many All-Stars make it every year. I'm just going to say that to kind of open my thoughts on it. But with the current way the All-Stars is set up, you know, X amount of players make the reserves, you know, you've got your starters and all that. Honestly, I think they got it right. I didn't see any huge, like, oh, my God, 
why is he on the all-star team? This is ridiculous. And the same on the flip side, I don't think there's anybody that really glaringly stands out of like, oh man, I can't believe they didn't put him on the all-stars. Like, it's not like they left out Aaron Judge. So, I, I'm i okay with it, I guess. The, the first thing that jumped out to me when I was looking at the rosters was how many first-timers were not only on the rosters, in the, in the AL specifically, not only on the roster, but starting. You got the... Obviously, you got the Yankees' young trio, Judge, Terry Sanchez, Luis Severino. You got another trio over in Houston, Carlos Correa, George Springer, and Lance McCullers, who has been lights out, by the way. Mm-hmm. Justin Smoke, out of, no, out of nowhere. Great season. Great season. And, I mean, and I'm not even covering all of them. There are, there are other first-timers on the AL roster as well. But that's part of what makes all, All-Star Games exciting for me is seeing those guys – Fine. It's seeing the breakout guys. Those are the ones that we're really there for. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we know how great we know how great the Kershaws and the Max Scherzers and Mike Trouts. We know how great those guys are. But I think the I think what makes All Star Weekend exciting is, is the breakouts, the guys that are really starting to make a name for themselves. I was happy to see Jose Ramirez make it. I know you're a big fan of his. He's having a great year. You know, batting through twenty seven. 101 hits, 59 runs, 42 ribbies, 15 homers, 9 stolen bases, and he can play all over the diamond. I mean, he's been kind of that glue guy for the Indians the last couple years, and now he's getting more regular at-bats, everyday at-bats, and he's shining so far in the first half. Very much so. I mean, he's having a, he's been absolutely on fire. Another one like Bellinger, he's just been on fire the last month or so, and I'm, it's good to see him get the recognition that he deserves. He definitely deserves that starting spot, in my opinion. Now, as far as some guys that I feel like may possibly got snubbed, first one I want to bring up, Andrelton Simmons. He's number 11 in the, in the entire majors and wins above replacement. Number two in defensive wins above replacement. Again, behind your best friend, Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. He's also he has a higher batting. Both of those numbers are higher than Francisco Lindor, who did make the team, and I like Lindor a lot. But Simmons has higher went more wins above replacement and a higher batting average. Not saying it was a clear snub, but it's it's one that you can at least you can make a case for Simmons over Francisco Lindor, in my opinion. I think you can make a case for Simmons, but at that point that they're so close. Love you, Simba. Miss you in Atlanta. But you play for the Angels. Your name's not Mike Trout. Really the all-star game anymore. Well, I do think deserving players should get in. It's about the fans, and Lindor has a lot more fans, not only in the United States, but, you know, more of a global presence for Lindor's fan base. And he plays for the Indians in first place in the AL Central. So if it's close, it's comparable. I can see why Lindor kind of got the edge. The team, the, the team you play for is going to be the tiebreaker, and and the gap is very wide between the Angels and the and the Indians. If and on the NL, I was not crazy about the Carlos Martinez selection, only because you got Gio Gonzalez seven and three, two point seven seven ERA. That's number three in the majors. 
both of those numbers are better than Carlos Martinez, who it does not even have a winning record, if I'm not mistaken. And if you don't like Gio Gonzalez and bringing up the teams again, Nationals are first in their division. Now, another, and if you don't like Gio Gonzalez, you got Jacob DeGrom, 8-3 versus Martinez, 6-7. and seven. And he's almost identical in ERA with and strikeouts. So I think that record-wise, I think that speaks to a lot. DeGrom's been the, the one, the lone bright spot in a pitching staff for New York. It's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. And he's not getting very much run support with Suspedes being in and out. Comporta's been on the shelf. Bruce had a decent year, but outside of that, I mean, not much offense in Queens. So, I, I can see it. I can see it. If you're going to point to one player and say, he's not deserving, these guys got snubbed, it's probably Carlos Martinez. And I like Carlos Martinez, and that's, and that's not to take anything away from him. But I just think there's some resumes out there that might have been a little bit better. And as far as a lineup snub, which is really just nitpicking at this point, Corey Seager should be starting over Zach Cozart. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but like I said, your fans got to vote. And I think, who was it that called out the fans the other day for somebody? There's somebody on the Dodgers roster that was calling out the fans for not voting and making that happen, and I can't remember who it was. If I remember correctly, I think it was Adrian Gonzalez that called out the Dodgers for not getting Seager into the starting position uh, for the NL All-Stars. But you you can look that up and see if it was Gonzalez. Uh, But speaking to the one beef that I do have, with all-star, you know, festivities this year. Gary Sanchez is in the home run derby. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, checking around and looking at league leaders and things like that, and I was like, surely somebody's hit more than Sanchez. He missed a lot of time early this year. Well, someone that hit home, more home runs than Sanchez so far in the first half had something to say about that. Logan Morrison, he's got 24 home runs this year. Gary Sanchez, he has 13. This is some serious shade, Mike. Logan Morrison's quote was, I remember when I hit 13 home runs, it was over a month ago. Why he was coming for Sanchez like that, I'm really not sure. Um, Now, he does have a point in that case. However, everyone remember, well, anyone that really follows baseball remembers Gary Sanchez went on a little historic run of his own to end last year. We know the guy can. We know the guy can hit. Sanchez also missed about a month or so earlier in the year. He missed a pretty significant chunk of time and has done a really good job in getting himself back into back into form. So you can make the argument had Gary Sanchez been playing the entire year and not missed any time with injury and had to deal with sitting down trying to get his groove back, although it didn't seem to affect him that much. You can make the argument he'd be right up there with Morrison. And I understand the home run derby is more about the fans and who they want to see and who's going to hit home runs and all that. However, Logan Morrison kind of earned that right. I mean, what else has he got going for him? I mean, he plays for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, they're in the wild card right now. Will they stay there? Probably not. And he even went on to say that in the same article, you know, some other quotes from the interview was, you know, it's because I play for the Rays. He plays for the Yankees. They can't even get my picture right on MLB Network. They put up a picture of Corey Dickerson, and it's me. 
that they're talking about. So maybe there's some bias there. There's definitely more Yankees fans in the world than there is Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, New York is the media capital of the world. We all know that. It's It happens in every sport. The And the Yankees are winning more than the Rays. So the guys from that team are, are going to get more love. It's unfortunate. Logan Morrison isn't necessarily wrong in his reasoning, but it's... You could go either way. I honestly wouldn't have had a problem with either of with either of them going to the derby. But I think if I was having that conversation with him in person, I think that would that would be my rebuttal to that. Is Yankees are winning more? Sanchez is an all star, and we know he can hit. And he did miss time. And like I said, he plays for the Yankees. Everything everything is multiplied. When you're doing it, in, when you're doing it in New York, which really and truly, Sanchez is probably only an all-star because he's a catcher. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, there's not a lot of strong candidates in the AL or the NL for that fact. For catcher as an all-star, he's probably there because of that. I mean, there's just multiple guys that have hit more home runs than Sanchez, including Morrison. That could have been in the Derby. That you know may or may not have been asked. They could have turned it down, but. Clearly, Morrison wanted to be there. Obviously, I'm coming from a different perspective. I'm anti-Yankees. You happen to own Gary Sanchez. So, you know, it can go either way. We'll see. We'll see. Now, the interesting part is they're going to get a... They play in the same division. They're going to get a chance to go up against each other multiple times before this year's over. Sanchez is going to be right there behind him at the plate whenever they come to play. I don't know if Sanchez is that kind of guy personality-wise that he would try to get in, get in his head, but that would be something to pay attention to for the second half of the season. Now, uh, transitioning from there, second-half predictions. Is there any that you have from – is there any first-half predictions that you would like to adjust or possibly – or possibly change going forward? Or are you sticking to your guns for the most part? We kind of talked about it already, and I think anybody that's been watching baseball has to switch your AL MVP favorite to Aaron Judge. Uh, same for AL Rookie of the Year. And we already touched on Bellinger as NL Rookie of the Year as well. Uh, I'm going to stick to my guns for NL MVP. I'm sticking with Arenado. He's still an argument, and, you know, there's no reason for me to go back on what I predicted there. Uh, now, something we haven't touched on yet that you may have reversed as well, the managers of the year, which may be the toughest one to predict preseason because you don't know who the Cinderella is going to be. You don't know who's going to have to deal with injury problems or anything like that. So you're really throwing a shot in the dark on manager of the year. Uh, so I am going to switch both of mine, and I'm going to tell you who they are and why. First up, AL Manager of the Year. I originally predicted Terry Francona to be cliche, thought they'd have the best record in baseball on the AL side. I'm going to change that to A.J. Hinch, manager for the Astros. They do currently have the best record in baseball, a historic start, and I think they will end up winning that division and potentially having the best record on the AL side. And, and that's a big change. It's been a long process for the Astros to get to this point building through their youth, having a couple see, couple key signings this offseason. So I am going to switch that one to A.J. Hinch. 
As far as over in the NL, I'm actually going to go with Joe Girardi now. Even when we talked before in the first baseball podcast, we didn't think the Yankees were quite there. We thought they were a year away. I think they're the most likely to get one of the two wild cards of any of the teams that are kind of in the mix right now. And heck, they're they're in the division still. They're only two games back of the Red Sox with a great lineup that they have, and a lot of that is due to Aaron Judge, Pineda, Severino, all those guys having a great first half. So which one was your AL favorite? Because you said, you, said, you said Hinch was your favorite, and then Girardi would be... Girardi I have replacing my original prediction of Joe Madden in the NL. Or sorry, sorry, those are both AL. Excuse me. Yeah, that's where I was getting thrown off. Those are the two guys that I had battling it out in the AL. And I'm going to go with Girardi. Hinch is like kind of the obvious one that everybody's talking about now. Right. Going with Girardi. For the NL, I am going to stick with Madden. Only because they're dealing with that World Series hangover and... You know, their game's back. They're kind of embarrassed right now, honestly. I mean, no one expected the Brewers to be leading that division. I think they're going to turn around in the second half. Madden's going to lead them back to the top. That's very that's very fair to say. I, I li- actually like that pick a lot because I think the Cubs are just due for... I think the Cubs are due for an explosion in the second half. Anthony Rizzo's picked it up a little bit over these last few years. Ever since they've moved him to leadoff, he's definitely picked it up as far as his hitting is concerned. Bryant's having a little bit of a slump, but again, guy can guy can obviously play. The Cubs, I think, have the best can they can easily still win this division, and if they do that, they'd be right he'd be right there in the conversation. I think in the AL, I think Hinge has to be the pick. And at the risk of sounding cliche the Astros are just literally blowing the socks off of everybody right now, record-wise. I think you have to pick Hinge. Although I don't necessarily hate the Girardi pick either, because as we were just talking about, Yankees are going to get all the love as long as they're they're the media darlings. They so, are. and the media picks these awards. So, right. So Girardi's my sneaky pick, even though at this point, obviously, lots can change. I think it's a it's a two manager race, if you will, for Hinch and Girardi in AL Manager of the Year. Now, the, now I, I'm definitely sticking with all of my all of my division picks in the AL. NL, I, the only one, only one I'm really changing in the NL is the Mets. That one, that one we just dropped the ball on. A lot of, a lot of, now a lot of things have gone into why that, why the Mets have not worked out, but if we're if we're being honest, I don't think anybody's going to catch the Nationals. We knew they had a great team going in, and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Now, though, NL West would is a little bit more interesting. Dodgers are killing it, but Rockies cannot be slept on. The the D backs and the Rockies from the NL West are currently the top two wild cards. And they were very, exactly. They're fighting it out for that last wild card spot, and it's not like the Dodgers are exactly running away with this. I mean, they're up. Let's see, three and a half games. So still anybody's, still anybody's game as far as who might win that division. Although, 
I did pick the Dodgers to win it, and I'm going to stay with that. It's not, a, it's not a sure thing. It is certainly not a sure thing. I expect the Cubs to make a comeback. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not sold on Milwaukee being, being first, staying first place in that division much longer. No, as far as my predictions for NL, my division winners originally were the Giants, which I'm changing to the Dodgers. The Giants fell apart. That's the one I am changing. The Nationals, they should win the division. I'm sticking with the Cubs, like you said. I still got a lot of faith in them there. Now, my wild cards, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals. They're seven and a half games out. There's rumors that they're going to make some moves. I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. But the other wild card, I'm actually going to go with the Diamondbacks. I I think they're going to be the other wild card in the NL. Over in the AL, let's touch on those, Astros, Red Sox, Indians, they're the current leaders. That's what I predicted, keeping them. Wild card, I originally predicted the Mariners and the Blue Jays, and I'm going to stick to my guns there because they're not so far out of it that they couldn't win it, and, you know, better to not waffle too much. Very fair. I, I don't think the Blue Jays are I don't think the Blue Jays are out of it. I don't want to completely abandon my picks because I did pick Detroit. Uh, I don't want to completely abandon my picks, but instead I'm gonna to keep Toronto and, and and I'm gonna bail on Detroit and replace it with the New York Yankees in the AL in the AL for wild card. And a wild card, I had the Nationals who are now leading, so I would have to change I'm definitely gonna to have to change that one. I feel fine with Colorado. I think they're they would get the wild card right now if the season ended today. So I have no problems with them. As far as who will be joining them, it's tough. Arizona's got fifty two wins already, and if and if you're the next not the next non Colorado Rockies team that's close to them has forty two. So. That's not a, that's not leading their division. Milwaukee's leading their division with forty seven. Chicago's right behind them with forty two. Now I'm picking Chicago to win the NL Central. So I think I think I have to go with Colorado and Milwaukee as my wild cards. So I'm completely completely changing where I'm going over there. It's Giants. Everybody dropped the ball on that one, mm-hmm. and you know that's tough for them. It happens. Every every pick can't be a home run pick. But that's what I'm going to go with down the stretch. Now, individually, I had Bryce Harper as my dark horse. So he's going to become my new favorite for the MVP. Chris Bryant's a great player. It's not going to happen. Um, Cy Young, I had Clayton Kershaw. I will stick with Clayton Kershaw. Although, like I said, Max, Max, Scher- Max Scherzer is dominating. And he would probably win it if we if the season were to end today. But I'm going to go ahead and stay with that pick. And like I was saying before, Cody Bellinger has to be your runaway favorite for rookie of the year. Absolutely, I definitely agree with you, Mike. So we've we've switched a few picks around, you know, kind of updated you guys on where baseball is and where it's going. Uh, one of the last things I want to bring up, uh, I know you guys can't see me out there. But I'm currently rocking a Braves jersey. And basically, your boy Mike finally paid up on a, a bet we had last year on Suspedis' home runs. Uh, 
but pretty soon I think I'll be having a uh, another jersey to join this one, Mike. What was that for again? The Mets, Mets had to win division, right? Mets had to win the division. And do you remember what I win if uh, the Mets don't make a miraculous comeback? Uh, I believe it's I believe her tickets, if I'm not mistaken. Tim Tebow jersey, man. Oh, a Tim Tebow jersey. That's <laughs> right. I did want to talk about that. If the Mets don't make the playoffs, I said it before and I'm going to say it again. We're going to see a Tim Tebow appearance before this year is over. I, you can just feel it coming. He's, he got called up to he got called up to St. Lucie for literally no reason, and he's somehow playing better than when he was with the Fireflies. Last I checked, since he got pulled up with Port St. Lucie, he's batting over four hundred and hit a couple home runs. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know why they did it. I love it. We talked about it before. I want to see the guy play in New York. I'd love to see him play in New York. I honestly would. Conforto's injured. Cespedes is injured. Need some help out there in the outfield. And it, at this point, it's not over. It's only the first half. But we're not that far off from saying it's a lost season for the Mets. You might as well call them up and sell some tickets and some jerseys and, you know, make it fun for the fans. Give them something to look forward to to come out to the ballpark for. And we all know Tim Tebow's being the media darling that he is. The, the Mets are conscious of that. Oh, yes. That was part of the reason I think they called him up. They're very conscious of that. Everyone's going to want to see it. I I have the utmost confidence that it will happen at some point, especially given the way that the season is going. If we get down to some game, if, it, if we're still late in the season and we're still playing meaningful baseball in September, probably not. But I think that's the only situation where you don't see him at some point. But... That'll be fun. I bet it'll, it'll, it'll definitely be fun to watch either way. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's kind of touching on a, a bold prediction to kind of throw out there as we go into the second half. I'll give you a second to think about what your bold prediction is, but something I'm going to throw out there that, you know, isn't something every day that you see, and it's not really something that's talked about as much because it's kind of uncommon, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Paul Goldschmidt, I'm on record saying that he will have a 30-30 season. 30 home runs or more, 30 or more stolen bases. He's currently got, I believe, 16 home runs and 13 stolen bases. So outside shot might be a little bit of a stretch, but that's why it's a bold prediction. Well, if you're going to make a bold prediction, i got to make one. I do think, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my guns on this one, it is too much. It's a little much to say that Aaron Judge can hit the triple crown. However, it is not out of the realm of possibility for sixty home runs. That's going to be my bold prediction. Sixty or more. Sixty Judge. or more for Aaron Judge. We'll be seeing it by the end of this year. He's got more than enough games to get it done because this is a guy that can reel off two or three at any given time. And when you got a guy that can do that and can pick up home runs in bunches. I mean, the sky's the limit. And the Yankees are going to be contributing. The Yankees are going to be contesting the division for the remainder of the season, even though I think Boston is going to really, again, I think they're going to separate themselves. But the Yankees, make no mistake, the Yankees think they can still win this. So they're going to need every run that they can get. And the Yankees, 
you know, so far through today, after today's game, they've played 83 games. All right? So that means 79 left. He's got to hit 31 bombs in 79 games. So is it out of the realm of possibility? Absolutely not with what Judge has done so far. But that's why it's a bold prediction because that would be impressive. 60-plus homers as a rookie, potentially right there for a triple crown. Whew. 60 homers by anybody in the post-steroid era is something I don't think any of us thought we'd see. But none of us thought we'd see a triple-double averaged over a season, and Westbrook did it. Thanks, Russ. It was, it was great having you at Fantasy this year. Much appreciated. So, I mean, it's we're we're just in a we're just in a different era now. It's I don't I mean now pitchers and in the especially now with pitchers dominating the way that they are, it would be extremely impressive to see that. Like I said, no steroids, no nothing. But I mean, guys also what two hundred and eighty pounds? Oh. Doesn't not like he needs them. Aaron Judge is a monster of a person. A monster. Now, obviously, I think we're past steroids and all that, but I'm sure you've seen the articles going around lately saying that supposedly Major League Baseball juiced the balls in order to see this rapid home run rate. I mean, we're setting home run records across Major League Baseball as a whole for home runs. Uh, June was the highest month in baseball history for home runs this past month. Yeah, I remember that. So, are they juiced? Are they not? Don't know. There's some research out there that suggests it is. MLB is denying, of course. I mean, they have to, whether it's true or not. And I'm sure we will see more data come out on that. Regardless, right now what Bellinger and Judge have been able to come in and do as young rookie players this year, it's fun to watch. It's absolutely fun to watch. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, that the balls might be tampered with a little bit. But, I mean, let's be honest. People want to see home runs. The purists are going to watch it and want to see good, clean baseball as their number one priority. But your casual fan, which is the majority of people watching in any sport, casual fan wants to see home runs. I would not put it out of the realm of possibility that they would do something like that. But I'm also, and I've made this, and I've taken this position several times, especially with the NBA, I am very firm in my belief that there's really no reason to tamper with the game that much. I, I'm i not saying, like I said, I'm not saying it's not happening, but if someone was asking me to put money on it, I'd say, look, it's guys are just able to hit. It, it happens. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster than they were in the past. It's like that. It's like that in every sport. So... It's kind of hard to say. I mean, Eric Thames, same thing, came back from Korea, had never been a power hitter in his life, was near the top of the league in home runs to start this year off for the first couple months of the season. They tested him after every game and never found anything. And you still got people saying, well, he's masking or he's doing something. Maybe the guy can just hit. I mean, it, it happens. Maybe. And like what you said saying that, you know, the casual fan wants to see home runs. Well, that's the exact thought process that was behind baseball turning a blind eye to steroids in the 90s. Oh, we got to save baseball after the lockout. These guys are doing roids and hitting home runs, but it's bringing people to the ballparks. Ah, you know, it's okay. We don't know anything about it. 
and I'm not saying that that's what's happened and, you know, something's going on with the baseballs, but it could be the same situation. It's a different regime, different commissioner and all that, but it could be true. It's not the first time it's happened in professional sports. It'd be a conversation worth revisiting later on um, because I, there's there's no concrete... What you need to really accelerate that conversation is concrete evidence that, like, okay, these, these guys... We have multiple guys that are juicing. We're, we're starting to notice a pattern here. Jose Canseco obviously brought that on the first time. He just completely blew it up and put everybody on blast. And he was... And he was a former player. He admitted to juicing himself. And he's like, but I'm not the only one. And he was a credible source. And so far, everybody he pointed at, except for Jeff Bagwell and Yvonne Rodriguez, have been proven or have admitted to being on steroids other than those two. Is he right? Is he wrong about Pudge or Bags? I don't know. But that's a pretty good success rate. I mean, I don't think you can call Ken Seiko a total liar. I mean, he got a lot of the other ones right. He was telling the truth. Oh, he's definitely not a liar. He's definitely not a liar. But it would take something like that. Something would have to come out to be... It would have to be something concrete. It would have to involve... You'd need concrete evidence. You'd need multiple players. And you would need star players. And or... And if you're speaking to the the baseball being tampered with, high-ranking officials in Major League Baseball leaking that information, you know... Somehow we find out that that did happen. The manufacturer says, hey, Major League Baseball did have us tweak the baseballs or whatever uh, in order to prove that. Other, otherwise, it's, it's all hearsay. Uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. Nobody cares if it's Juan Lagares on steroids. If, it come, if, you get, if it's Jonas Cespedes, different, completely different story. Mm-hmm. No one cares if, I don't know, Say if it was Brett Gardner, yeah, hits three or four more home runs. No one cares. No one cares. But it's the difference between a guy like Judge hitting twenty or sixty. Obviously, that's a bigger gap. But just an example, saying that you know the power guys now chasing historic numbers because baseball is all about the records. It's all about the milestones. Then it matters. I mean, you're tampering with the very fabric of the game. And you're tampering with your headliner. I mean, the, when the guy that's making the most headlines turns out to be a cheater, not again, not at not in any way, shape, or form. And I want to be very clear: that's I don't think that's the case at all. But if it's one of your headliners gets caught cheating, that's that's just horrible for the game. And so we'll we'll see. It'll be something to keep an eye on for the second half of the season. But other than that, did you have anything else? That's it, Mike. That's it. You know, it's been a pleasure being back here on the podcast with you, talking a little baseball, and I hope to be back in the future. Well, we'll definitely be back for at least one, a third installment right before the postseason just to see if all of our predictions hold water. Um, in the meantime, if steroids or Tebow or anything else comes up, it'll definitely be worth talking about. Other than that, guys, this has been the Mind of Mike J podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. New episodes every Monday. This has been the Mind of Mike J podcast, again, with my good friend Jake Brewer, appearing for the second time. We will be signing off. Catch y'all next week.